and welcome to How I Write, a podcast from the California State University San Bernardino Writing Intensive Program. I'm Tom Gershon, Director of the Writing Intensive Program and your host. My guest today is Dr. Jacqueline Romano. So Jacqueline, so you are an assistant professor uh, of education at California State University San Bernardino? Yes, I started in 2018, so I'm my third year. Well, we met at a webinar, right? Mm-hmm. At a at an online uh, webinar, and uh, I got to hear your story, and and I thought this would be a great story for the listeners of How I Write, and uh, so I'm so happy you could join us, and uh, we could have this conversation. Thank you for the invitation. Really, I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for the invitation, and I hope uh, I can help others learn about the writing process and feel better about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of writing process, can you tell me a little bit about what you remember most about learning to write, whether uh, as an academic or a child? Yes. Um, um I'll start with a little of my childhood and, and I want to start that way because it will put everything in perspective about the process of writing, um, looking at for a perspective of two cultures. I'm Mexican, uh, born, raised, educated in Mexico, and then here I'm a son immigrant. So I, when I thought about it, I said, yeah, there's two differences in the way we write or how I write. And then um, I remember also that writing, it does when it made me start thinking about the writing process and the difference of how we teach children in the United States writing process and how I start. And to write first for me was to talk first mm. and then you'll write. So you will start with this, going to spend a lot of uh, my afternoons with my parental, uh, or my parents, with my grandparents, my mm-hmm. mom's side. They will do the babysitting. My mom was working. And they will support my studies. And the way they will participate or they were engaged with me was they, um, they will not do my work, but they will pay attention to what I was doing. And one of those was... Uh, Read to them aloud, talk about what happened during the day, tell them what I was doing or what I was learning. That was kind of at the process for me to start writing, well, thinking how to write, but also learning how to to put my thoughts. But I needed yeah. to say it aloud. And I realized that when I was uh, kind of reflecting, it's like, wow, I really didn't pay attention to that. I grew up with my parental, uh, my dad's parent, grand, uh, parents and my grandparents. They spoke in English. They were bilingual. And interesting, I, I was not raised bilingual. My mm. dad spoke English halfway, and then, but he did not spoke to us in English. And I kind of feel um, I hated English. And the mm. reason why I hate it, even to hear people because between my grandma and my grandpa, 
they will talk in English, so we will not know. Yeah. And I was so mad that he would <laughs> not share with us. So sorry. the memorable parts of that learning uh, to write in English, again, kindergarten. Mm. I, I think I need not share that. But I, I learned English as, as a child here, you know, with my daughter. So I was part of my daughter's class in one of the... I was the other student <laughs> in kindergarten. I uh, became the the parent volunteer. Every day I went there and helped the class, you mm -hmm. know, and then I started helping with the kids who spoke Spanish. And then uh, I did the phonics and clapping and learning to spell the words in English. So I learned English the same way as my daughter did in kindergarten. So, uh, my daughter is bilingual, fully bilingual, right? Yeah. Uh, a school taught them in English, and I continue with the Spanish. So yeah, so you spoke Spanish at home and mm -hmm. English at school. Yeah, that was the rule. And but it's not just the speaking part. Um, I did not want my daughter just to be um, oral yeah. speaker of Spanish, but I wanted to read and write in Spanish. So. Oh, that's great. That so is fully bilingual and bilirate. So that's that's great because I grew up uh, in a Russian family, and I grew up speaking Russian in the home, but not reading or writing. I I didn't learn to read and write in in Russian until I took classes in college. So, mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of common to for mm -hmm. children of of bilingual families to speak the language, but it's much less common, I think, to be taught to read and write it. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, See, that was my goal. I said, mm, no, you are not losing English. I mean, you're not losing Spanish because of English. So I, I saw many of uh, extended family that were brought as children and they they lost the Spanish writing part, uh, the education of the um, grammar in Spanish, the, you know, the, all the things that you learn in English, but in Spanish. So... I didn't want that for my daughter and I, it's because most of our families in Mexico and even my daughter once, um, she wanted just to say, well, I'm just going to speak English. And I said, how are you going to communicate with grandma and grandpa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Question mark, you know, <laughs> and we emphasize it, the, the, the value of being bilingual and to appreciate the language and their culture and the, we're going to fuse both of them and we can use both languages. So mm -hmm. I strive for that with my daughter and thank God, you know, it worked out fine. So I did that going to my daughter's school for six years. So wow. kindergarten to sixth grade, I was parent volunteer and then I got that bilingual possession and I was the translator and helping the students, etc. It no, was it a great experience. Yeah, <laughs> to go and to go from uh, a helper in the classroom, knowing very little English, to now a professor of uh, education at CSUSB is just such a phenomenal story. Such a great story. Thank you. So by the end of sixth grade, um, and being the parent volunteer, right, uh, bilingual tutor, the kindergarten teachers, the same kindergarten teachers, um, told me you need to go to college and go back to school. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because I, when I moved to the United States, I left school. I was a, finished the second year of college uh, okay. and uh, four year. I wanted to be a teacher in Mexico. So I said, just go, go. So I took a, um, I really wanted to be a teacher. And I ended up uh, 
teaching my daughter. So it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. why not? Math and, and writing. So like, yeah, why not? And I felt very comfortable with the kids. So I really did not like the idea of taking ESL classes as an adult. Mm. I felt like I was too behind now. <laughs> I was oh, too advanced for them, but not quite. And I was very bold and took the basic English composition at the community college. Wow. <laughs> I flunked it twice. Yeah. Uh, composition. So by the third time I passed it with a C and I was so happy. It's like <laughs> I passed, I passed. But I learned a lot. So um with that, I took sign language at the same time. Oh, because wow. in my mind I said, I am a kinesthetic person. So I thought that learning sign language will help me acquire English, which yes, in, in a way it did, mm. but oh my God, sign language is another language. So yeah. I was doing yeah. a, a third language, <laughs> right? With their own grammar and syntax and things like that, right? Um, that's another story, but anyway. <laughs> so I completed all my credits uh, from college. And of course my papers were always marked with red because of grammar mm -hmm. issues. Um, I did, I told them teachers, I'm learning English, but just please look at the content. I always said, look at the content because I know I'm not stupid, you know? And yeah, yeah. So I applied to Cal State. I'm a alumni also of Cal State and yeah. San Bernardino. And I pursued my dream. Right? I'm going to do my Liverstates. But, um, I, I never thought that I was going to do the, the, the credential program or to become the teacher. Mm -hmm. My idea was like, okay, what can I do? I like teaching, but maybe I should do the Spanish. So I took uh, a Spanish as my BA and I feel mm -hmm. it is a way to be uh, connected to your language, to culture yeah. and able to continue with your writing. And, um, and I feel like oh, well, I can do that. I wanted to be the, the, the Spanish major, but then I started taking more classes and deliver studies and then what well, you can be a bilingual teacher. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I really want to do that. And so I feel very happy that um, some professors in my Spanish, just I was able to write in the Spanish and mm -hmm. I was very happy. Essays or whatever, so that was good. Um, and then liver studies, uh, it became the challenge because everything is in English. One of the things you mentioned early on about uh, how much learning Spanish for you was a community kind of event, right? That you learned it orally through speaking and, and many people kind of came together. Did you have that when you were in, in your first year composition classes or in your liberal arts classes? It's not, no, it's isolated. Our mm. students here are isolated um, at the college level. Mm -hmm. I've, I believe that many of our monolingual teachers, English only speakers, do not understand how second language acquisition occurs or how language yeah. acquisition and learning happens. You know, it takes uh, about seven years at minimum to have a, a level of proficiency as a native speaker, but just oral. Mm -hmm. It's like having a first grader after seven years. So in first grade, you're just learning to write, Absolutely. right? And you're trying to learn uh, the grammatical rules and 
whatever it is about the language. To write, it's gonna take you from first grade all the way to high school, even college. You're still yeah. learning how to write. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you are talking about more than 10 more years, right? And our teachers don't understand that. So I was learning to write in English very painfully at the university level. Mm -hmm. And to what the many of my professors did not allow me to do those things in Spanish because I could have done it, right? So just to write my ideas. So writing my essays, it was an, a long thing. It was a solitary thing. I could not contact, you know, my mom or my friends to help me to go through the process, the writing down my things, uh, my thinking in English because they speak Spanish. So it's like, they're not going to help me, you know, how, yeah. they can help me with my ideas, but like, how do I put it into English? That's one of my struggle, uh, the way I did it as a child. So the college uh, culture is about yourself. You're alone, you're on your own and good luck. You know, if you make it, I, that's how I felt. And mm. I think that's how many students feel. So that was one of the first painful moments. Another painful part in my life as a writer is um, you develop this low self-esteem, you know, because now you see that you're marking all the time and you're not good. And even though you are working extremely hard to make it best but you are not a student because you don't have the english right mm -hmm. so um so then as a teacher finally when i became a, a teacher i had my own classroom so i went through a lot of struggles there now i'm, I'm going to my teaching career right. and so i mentioned this to you that this is what you heard is like the pointed out the that make you feel so bad that you really doubt about your abilities and you really, you worth, right? So this teacher came, um, it was a reading specialist or something came into my class and I had- This is when one, you were a student teacher and, and, or when you were already teaching? I was in a student teaching, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I have one spelling error on one of my sentence. Uh, a spelling error happened and I mean, it happens to the best writer. Do you have one speller, right? So Absolutely. anyway, <laughs> so I put it on the board and this teacher said that I was not a good teacher and I was never going to be a good teacher because I don't even know how to write in English. So yeah. that was so hurtful and yeah, you said she she's... judged me so harshly and I said, you don't even know what I know. You don't know what I have gone through and just because one error, right? Yeah. And that really marked my life forever. And that really yeah. hurt my feelings. Yeah. It really, um, it hurt your self-esteem, you know, it's just like, maybe they make you sometimes believe that you're not worth it because yeah. they just look at it the negatives and everybody looks at negatives they don't yeah. look at the positives and of course it's a, it's a prejudice right because if it were a native speaker who made a mistake in spelling on the board she i mean i don't know but chances are she probably wouldn't have said anything mm -hmm. right exactly. so it's it's just a clear case of prejudice mm, well thank you you said it so going into my PhD, I mentioned it to you that um, unfortunately, all my committee members are monolingual. Mm -hmm. And they did not want to read anything that I sent to them if it wasn't perfect English. 
uh, again, so I'm in the sixth year of learning English at the academic level of the university level, okay? Yeah. Still under development. I'm still into development, right? And many of my other peers, even English only speakers, they're still on the development. Absolutely. So, so it took many, many times to explain to them that I was, again, they told me I was stupid, that I was not good for a PhD and not a good candidate, that I don't know why I should ever see it, I pursue it. And <clears throat> so, I say I'm not careless. Um, I'm still developing language skills, and what it really probably hit them. I hit them because they were during this time they were doing something school about diversity and mm -hmm. acceptance. And I said, okay, I'm a I'm the only Mexican in the program, mm -hmm. second language learner. How you are adapting to the diversity that you yeah. are embracing? Right? Yeah. Um, so there was one professor who was able to, I convinced her, I said, just give me a quick look. I don't want, just tell me if I'm in the right direction for the proposal, for the ideas I'm developing. And then, um, I can fix the, the dress later, but just want to know, because I want to know if, if my idea is worth it to pursue, Absolutely. you know, why I'm going to go crazy on it. So what was the response of the professor when you asked the professor to look at it? It took a convincing time to say, look, I understand. I'm not going to present a final dissertation with errors because that's not right. the purpose. But this is just the beginning for goodness yeah. sakes, you know? You it's are the just draft, like, first draft, it's the right? draft. It's yeah. just the draft. Oh, my God. So I have made them aware of that, you know, there is there are challenges for many of our students who are alone in a PhD program, away from the families, who have nobody to talk to. And the only person that you can trust is the chair, the department, you know, the dissertation chair. And just yeah. to help, you know, from then on, um, he was able to read my papers. Although he always makes the final comma, you need to check the grammar. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. No problem, but tell me, uh, the idea is going, it's going well. Yeah, okay, well, I'll continue. I wanted to say this, that when you're an English language learner, you have to understand, and I told that my professor, is that it takes a lot of time to catch up to mm -hmm. the level of your English native speakers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And with that, um, in nice, uh, a nice way to say, uh, you know. Well, it's interesting that, mm -hmm. you know, like you mentioned, I heard some of your story before, but some, a lot of your story tonight is new uh, to me. And it's interesting to me to hear how when you were young, you saw English as sort of an ex a language that excluded you because your grandparents would speak it to one another as a way of excluding you. And now here you are telling the story of, of your dissertation director, you know, refusing to read your draft early on because of errors and, uh, you know, this, this teacher observing you and, and suggesting that 
you know, because you made a spelling mistake, you didn't have a future as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so once again, it's it sort of English becomes this exclusionary kind of force. And I'm curious now that you are in the position that you are in the front of the classroom and, and you're in the university, um, how are, how have you, how do those experiences uh, affect you as a professor? How, how have you uh, maybe uh, adapted some of your teaching practices because of your experiences? So uh, these last questions are, are the ones that are the most rewarding mm -hmm. in, in a way, also painful, but most of the time I'm most rewarding because I know I have made a difference in students' life. Yeah. Um, the painful, let me just be straightforward, exclusion. Um, to have a teacher or professor with an accent, mm -hmm. female, you know, I'm considered a minority. And then you go into a classroom full of uh, English only speakers. Mm -hmm. There is a big challenge right there. They will question. And even though I tell them I'm still second language learner and they will might find errors in my typing, oh, they will just, they will just kill me for a typo. And yeah. I say, that's okay. You know, just point it out to me, but do it kindly. And I will learn and I will pay attention. And I, I always try to, to listen to my students, their feedback. I said, but I do not tolerate being rude, Yeah. you know, or, or pulling me down because mm -hmm. of who I am. Absolutely. And many of uh, my experience through the years, there were students that are English only um, get offended if I correct their spelling. Mm -hmm. It needs to be because I had so many challenges. And then, and then I said, well, what is my closet about? Is my class about grammar and English composition? No. Mm -hmm. So I need to focus on the content. Yes. If I see a lot of uh, errors, spelling errors, or that doesn't make sense, I try to look for what makes sense. And, and I am looking at their ideas, try to focus on what they're trying to say. You know, I, I know I see what you're trying to say. So I send back the papers. Can you please rephrase this part of what you're trying to say? Because it's unclear. Just get back to me and they send me back your paper. Um, so I do not correct the grammar. I'm just looking for the ideas. Yeah. So I start with this uh, non-English speakers um, again too. I don't correct it, uh, uh, the grammar because I know how hard it was for me. Mm -hmm. And, and, but I do suggestions. If I see a common, 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 I just make a little note. I just got to give you a tip. This yeah. is spelled this way. Okay. And yeah. that's, that's it. Um, if I see lots and lots of uh, mistakes that are normal, I say, you maybe want to just, let's look at the idea. Don't worry about them. And I tell my students, don't worry about the spelling, the grammar. Yes, it is the expectation. Because mm -hmm. the other English only speakers, if you are already in university, you have 16 years of schooling. Mm -hmm. The expectations that you know at least how to write decently um, with periods or commas and capital letters. And you should know that English spell uh, with a capital letter, mm -hmm. they don't do it. I said, we have a problem. Um, 
go to the writing center. Uh, you can have a one-on-one -on -one with me. We can go over your paper so I can point it out. I want to look at your ideas at this yeah. point. Yeah. So it's just, it's not worth it. Um, make something to my second language learners um, have to be different because that's part of the differentiation of instruction is that you have to differentiate for them and and some students say, but that's not fair because you didn't mark on that. No, I'm not marking if she had a period or not. I'm marking if the idea is not developed because what I'm looking at is a content. And everything yeah. that I talk is at what is, what did you learn? What's the content? Yes, the expectation of the university is that yes, you need to know how to write proper sentences, complete sentences, compound sentences, right? You need to know how to use transitional words. And I said, in some of my English learners still are developing that language and they need to know that language. I have to give them a, a different approach of grading. And so I need to see Absolutely. it from the holistic way yeah. where they are how much need is there for them. And if I cannot do it myself, I need to send them to someone who can help them. So I'll always yeah. go to the writing center. And in my syllabus, you will see, um, if you need help with writing, go to the writing center. Right. Um, I have office hours, you know, come over and sit down with me. I can look at your papers and uh, I have no problem. Yeah. I had a, um, last um, in spring, I taught a class about the writing process. Oh wow! For the first uh, first time in my life, it, that is for second language learners, right? And it's like that was the funniest class. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I loved it, and my students loved it because I asked them to go through the writing process as that because they're going to be teachers. I said, I want you to not just to listen to the lecture. Let's do it together. Yeah. So I took it to the six, seven, eight steps around, and uh, we took the uh, six, uh, six plus uh, traits of writing. So little by little, they created the rubrics. They were looking at complete sentence. I mean, they were they were just enjoying with language. This is what the purpose is: is enjoy. They wrote about variety of topics, you know, mm -hmm. some controversials. And the thing is, that you as a reader, you need to learn that you might read something that you don't like, but not necessarily you're gonna deduct points for that, right? It's just respectfully, you read and provide feedback. You're looking at coherence. You're looking at making sense. Are they trying to convince you? Are they arguing? Are they narrating only story? You need to look at the different yeah. aspects. It's just, it's not the grammar because that yeah. is the last part of it you know everything is just drafts 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 yeah. drafts, drafts. and when you talk to faculty about what they or you know people in general about what they value in writing they don't usually say grammar first right they say the ideas they say the argument they say right. you know but very often the feedback focuses on the grammar and the feedback mm -hmm. and what they say they value don't don't line up so when you ask me about feedback, what kind of feedback that I give my English learners and to my non-English learners. So yeah. my feedback is in specific ideas. And see, if I, I read it and then I see a sentence that doesn't make sense. So I just either highlight it and I say, can you please rephrase? What are you trying to say in here? It's not clear. Just reward it. You yeah. know, send yeah. it back. Um, this area is not clear. 
or this area was you started with the idea but you did not develop it mm -hmm. or if we were asking to give me some examples right mm -hmm. or you were very general because as you know in terms of writing people writing general but they don't give you the specifics and i said so give me the idea the general idea and then what will be what makes it different and give me examples of how this look like mm -hmm. so i always ask questions how is that why is that how does it look like yeah. right um give me the description so it's working with ideas so i wanted yeah. to and at the same time i feel like if i'm asking those questions i'm having a conversation orally with them yeah in absolutely. writing i in mean right, I in don't, the comments in the comments so yeah um, it's kind of the dialectical journals that you do with uh, when I was an elementary teacher, right? We yeah. did the, they will write in their journals and I will respond back and they will have a kind of a conversation, right? Um, the kind of a, you know, communication and they will see the, yes, they see the, the writing and their language was in English or in Spanish. So I could do both and I said, okay, we can do it in Spanish and I can help people in English and we practice English and we're going to focus on maybe making a complete sentence, right? Yeah. Or we're going to look at the apostrophes for possessives today, you know, so you, you target a specific when you are that. But in college, it's different because we're talking about subjects, theories, it's not about right grammar and and i just just live it like that yeah. just tell me what you want i can talk to you talk to you and even with the students that i have on they're working on thesis or they're working on a research paper i said talk to me talk yeah, to me talk absolutely. to me and we can talk and um i have a, talk um, to one another yes so I'm setting up Zoom meetings with one of my doctoral students. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's do some uh, like a ring of ideas. Oh, yeah. you know, and let's start writing how this connects with this one. And she verbalized a lot of material that she can use later. I said, look, you are going in the right direction now. Keep writing, put this on paper, make it in a a specific form that is required, but um, I help them and she's bilingual as well. So yeah. I understand her process. And yeah. I think there's something that we are not doing with our students is to help them vocalize, yeah. pull those ideas out so they can see and hear their thought process. That's what is missing. Yeah, I don't see we have that. So my feedback is simple. It was yeah. specific at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, you did not meet the. You did not uh, tell me how you're gonna do this. How is that? How does it look like? So, what do I need to do? So write it down. Oh, yeah. that's that's kind of the feedback. And believe me, my my students said that I'm the only one professor that writes us a lot. <laughs> Their feedback. So uh, and you find yourself sort of having a conversation with them in the margins of you know or in your comments on their mm -hmm. on their paper, and so. Mm -hmm. that thing that helps you right of talking it out helps your students as well helps i would say helps probably everybody right to have that conversation yeah well like we need to have a different way of teaching writing or to help our students write their papers mm -hmm. uh has to be more like a communal thing and 
I, I don't know. I think this is a different system. United States has a different educational system that I, I still struggle. Yeah. Um, and I see that my students sometimes struggle because we are not respected in that regard. The, our way of uh, being raised in in a very collaborative way, it, yeah. it doesn't match the uh, American uh, society, which is very independent, isolated, um, you're on your own, right? And, yeah, um, well, it sounds great to me. And I, and I, you know, certainly think having these collaborative approaches to writing is, is really an excellent way and talking it out and having these or informal discussions is, is you know, it's that's good pedagogy, right? That's that's, uh, that's the way teaching. we learn. Yeah, that's teaching exactly. Well, Jacqueline, this has been <laughs> such a great, uh, such a great <laughs> conversation, and and I feel like uh, there's so much in this in in what you have to say, not just in your story, but in in your insights into teaching that I think are very, uh, thank you, very interesting, and and I'm really happy to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I just want to say one more thing. And I just, when I came, um, took a call state again, I said, I, want, I wanted to do what my good teachers did to me and it was help them make them feel value that their ideas are worth pursuing. Yeah. And, um, and also teach them that someone can have the best grammar and a spelling, but have no good ideas. <laughs> And some other was there are strugglers that they had great ideas. You just need to pull them out. So I'm not done with this battle. I'm to keep fighting it. I do not want my students to feel they are not worth it or they feel stupid, like they make me feel. And I say, you are valuable. Just let's work together. So thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. How I Write is a production of California State University San Bernardino's Writing Intensive Program. Music by Kinsas Morera and Emmett Fenn. Thanks for listening. <laughs>